Hey everybody, this is Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. And this is the 23rd in our 3,726 part series, wherein we watch a movie chosen at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, do a little research, and then tell you what we think. When we pick the movie, we are honor-bound to watch it, unless it's a movie that we've already seen. There's a couple of exceptions to that rule. Uh, we're kind of going to just not bother mentioning the specific rules anymore. They're going to be on the website. If you are so inclined, you can take a look at there. We'll, we'll invoke them if we need to. Uh, so last week, we watched the 1982 car crash movie, uh, The Junk Man. The Junk Man! Made by the guy who made the original version of Gone in 60 Seconds. Not very good. We not, did not like it. Not great. Not um, great. It's something that should have been in our wheelhouse, but uh, the plot was real bad, and the editing was really bad, and the acting was really bad, and pretty much everything we felt was was pretty bad. So Yeah. So this week, it's my turn to randomly select a movie from the guide. So I've got my eyes closed. Yeah, so I am going to start flipping through the guide, and Tara, you just let me know when to stop. Stop. Okay, you got one. So we are going to be watching Samurai Fiction from 1998. And uh, Scarecrow Video Movie Guide says, On the surface, fiction makes for an excellent entry into the samurai genre. Anyone who has knowledge of samurai films, though, will find this straight-faced parody homage a delectable treat that tweaks the cinema world of feudal Japan just enough to succeed in its quest. First off, as with any great samurai movie, it is filmed in black and white. The costume and set designs are dead on. The instrumental heavy metal soundtrack offers a unique adrenaline to the sword fights. The plot could have easily been lifted from Japan's golden age of samurai films and involves rogue samurai Kazumatsuri, who steals a sword from a lord he has been charged to protect. The lord's young son, Heishiro, quests to return the sword but finds his heart bent on revenge when Kazumatsuri murders one of his friends. Subtle subplots involving peace, forgiveness, and love are also torn from the pages of samurai cliché to round out this fantastic story. Hmm. Well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I haven't really... Watched a lot of samurai films, so no. yeah, this, this sounds promising. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I guess we will be back after this musical interlude with our thoughts and opinions on samurai fiction. Alright, so we are back. I mean, uh, just finished watching Samurai Fiction. And uh, it's been a little while since we recorded the first part of the podcast, and in that time we both got super sick. Tara is still pretty sick. I'm not quite as sick anymore, but uh, there's going to be a lot of editing uh, that we're going to have to do for this. Got a lot of coughing and, and wheezing that's going to get cut out, so uh, this episode might end up being... 15 minutes long by the end of things. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Our post-cough pre-spoiler rating? Yeah. Shall we? Yeah, so uh, the the rating scale goes, uh, it's a, it's a five-point scale going from 
don't watch to maybe don't watch to eh to maybe watch and then the pinnacle of of all movie scales that have ever been created the premium that all filmmakers are um are now aspiring to now yes. that they know that it exists yes now uh, that everybody knows yes the the prestigious uh, coveted don't not watch yeah uh, rating so on the count of three we will simultaneously give our our ratings all right so one two three maybe, maybe watch, watch. Uh, it's it's a very good movie yeah very entertaining yeah very uh watchable movie I think uh, the only thing that kind of knocks it down from being a, a don't not watch in my book is that it, it's it's not you know life changing or anything like right. that. Like it, it's very it's good at what it does at what it sets out to do, but it's not gonna make you rethink your entire view. life, <laughs> right? Or maybe I mean maybe it will. So who, who knows? Judge maybe. Just... Maybe we're gonna wake up tomorrow and uh, see the world very differently. Yeah. And uh, just move to Japan and become samurai. Yes, you know I'm I'm fine with that. If that's what yeah. if that's what we end up doing, I'm not gonna... worst worst ways to spend our lives. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's much of a call for samurai these days, but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure that well, out. Yeah, th- those are just minor details. Cross that bridge when we come to it. The samurai bridge. Yeah, let's uh, get into discussion of the plot. So the movie opens up kind of oddly really oddly in in a way that it doesn't ever really go back to. No, yeah. So I. <laughs> So we see a samurai flying through the clouds, and he's like, ah, so let me tell you about my life 300 years ago. Yeah. And then there's like a digital analog, or digital, digital analog. (laughs) (laughs) Like a digital display of the the years ticking back in time to, from, to 16, whatever, 1696. Yeah, 1696. Like, you know, 300 years ago. Yeah, so like. Okay, well, this is interesting. What is this, like, some sort of Assassin's Creed animus type thing? Is this gonna, you know... No. The answer is no. It's not. The answer is we never travel forward again 300 years. Yeah, no. So... Yeah, keep uh, that in mind. Interesting interesting start. We're like, it kind of set false expectations for us. But um, we see that there is this uh, clan who is entrusted with a really important sword belonging to the the lord of their area the shonen, I guess and I think. he has the sword delivered and like you guys need to keep a close eye on the sword and then one of the the members of the clan just runs off with it yeah he was a pretty new member of the clan to be uh he was a new guy he was a newbie and then uh he said, see you guys later. Yeah, well, I'm going to take this, sword. take this sweet sword and get out of here. Bye. And um, so our time-traveling kind of protagonist. Hero. Yeah. Hishiro. Uh, his father finds out about this. And his father is the leader of the clan. He's like, oh, well, we need to get this sword back, obviously. And Hishiro um, is like, well, I'll, I'll go after him. I'll go after this guy, Kazumatsuri. And his dad is like... Not, no, don't do it. Not overly confident in his son's <laughs> capabilities. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. I, I sent some people. We're good. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, 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 I can do this. So him and his two friends, they chase off after Kazumatsuri trying to get this sword back. They're kind of bumbling. Yeah, they're, I would say very, very bumbling. Very bumbling. Uh, yes. They they refer to themselves as, uh, or they say that they, they're known as kind of the three stooges. Yeah. <laughs> so did, like, 
Larry and Moe and Curly rip these guys off. Did um, they see some ancient, like... <laughs> some ancient samurai tome. Yeah. I'm like, like oh, shit, oh, have I got an idea? That's a good name for the three of us. Comedy yeah. gold. Yeah, so uh, just their cultural appropriation of this, uh, yeah. this ancient samurai... I bet none of you. I bet none of you knew that was the, uh, the horrible dark secret behind the Three Stooges. Yeah. So uh, learn learn something new every every day. <laughs> um, so you know we see Kazumatsuri traveling across the the countryside, and he's kind of the the typical samurai, like very kind of stoic, stone faced, and very proper in the way that he carries himself. And then we see the, these three bozos following after him, and they're just like falling over themselves and like oh let's eat some food yeah uh, just like running really haphazardly awkwardly in comparison to how Kazumatsuri carries himself and at one point they stop and they, they're like oh let's let's take a look you know i've got this wanted poster of Kazumatsuri. let's take a look at him and they're like oh he's tall and scary looking very imposing and they uh they're like well we can you know we can take him though we're we're tough there's the three of us, and they demonstrate their toughness by throwing some driftwood into a pond. Well, on top of... So they rip up the wanted poster and yeah, throw it in. Yeah, it's like... Oh, and then guys... they're throwing the logs on top of it. Yeah. I'm like, that showed him. <laughs> yeah, it's like... You know, there's not photographs. Uh, so you guys might have wanted to keep that picture of yeah, right. if you're trying to track this dude down. But no. You clearly got this covered. Yeah, they know what they're doing. And to be fair, they do eventually run into him on the road. And they get into an altercation with him trying to get this sword back and so the three of them kind of approach Kazumatsuri and try to say hey give, give us the sword back and Kazumatsuri's like I'm not gonna do that no I'm keeping it so it's a pretty cool sword so no and they get into a fight and one of the dudes ends up getting killed the other friend of Heishiro ends up getting like wounded but he's still alive but just not kind of minor wound yeah and then he's uh, about uh kazumatsuri's about to kill heishiro when like a passerby intervenes and throws some rocks at him and apologizes for throwing the rocks at him and it's like hey you know enough with the killing already and this kind of mollifies kazumatsuri a little bit he was like yeah all right fine they'll leave you guys be but i'm still i'm getting out of here with this sword so we learned that the guy who rescues Heishiro and his friend is like an ancient not ancient but <laughs> he's, he's old but he's not like ancient that's really mean Andrew <laughs> yeah, he's just decrepit <laughs> uh, feeble ultra elderly like the most elderly you can get yep it's like um, 40 or so yeah like he's 40, like 45 maybe 45 really at death's door oh. um he's not ancient but he's kind of like uh, a well-respected older sword master that a lot of people know about, who's turned to a life of peace and non-conflict, having given up the... The way of the sword. The way of the sword, yeah. And he has a, a daughter that is living with him, and she's kind of attending to Heishiro's wounds. And eventually, Heishiro wakes up, and he's like, well, what like, what happened? Where, where are my, my friends? And like, uh, one guy is dead the, the other guy is all right but uh, uh we just didn't have the space for the both of you to stay here so he's staying with some other people in this village so meanwhile kazumatsuri is like carrying on and he kind of stumbles across this gambling house being run by this lady okatsu and she's this lady that's running a crooked gambling house type place and mm-hmm. she's got like a bunch of 
goons goons hanging on who are very goony like what, what becomes apparent pretty quickly is that basically everybody except for Kazumatsuri and later we see Hanbei uh are just like totally incompetent when it comes to sword fighting yeah and so like Okatsu realizes oh this dude Kazumatsuri he's tough and imposing and he he knows how to wield a sword so I need to get him to to kind of stick around if we can for protection purposes so she uh was kind of laying it on pretty thickly, putting on shows and flattering him and trying to... Trying Just to wine and dine him and seduce him. Yeah, wine and dine him and seduce him. The seducing part doesn't go too well. Not very well. We, like, he's, like, watching the show that they put on and then he's like, ooh, we should go to the baths. Like, she and this other dude are sitting next to him and he's like, we should go to the baths. And she's like, oh, that's pretty forward of you. And he's like, I was talking to him. Yeah. And this goofy like really dorky goofy guy it's like yeah really that's (laughs) even if you're gay that's who you're uh, wanting to go uh, bathe with (laughs) i'm sure he wasn't well we don't know we don't know we don't know it doesn't um, matter he's just like he's kind of got whatever it's just it's a character trait it's not like you know critical to our opinion of him or whatever but just it's interesting you don't see a lot of gay samurai true figures either so it's it's an interesting yeah so the, the seduction doesn't work too well but he's he's still hanging around because these whatever. people are like feeding him and whatever. Yeah, they're they're you know catering to his whims. So. Yeah, they're fawning over him. Yeah, and so Hishiro is like intent on getting his revenge, and he's still recovering. And so there's these scenes where he's getting his strength back, and he's hanging out with Hanbei's daughter Kaharu. She's tending to him, and they're just kind of hanging out, hanging out, yeah, gathering herbs Go- for together in the woods while he's recovering and gaining strength. And they're just kind of hanging out, talking. And they kind of tumble down this muddy hill while they're gathering herbs. And so they're trying to sort of wash themselves off in a a little pond or river. And um, Koharu flashes uh, one of her calves while she's, you know, bathing. And Heishiro is just so overcome by the sight of her comely calf that he springs a... uh, Nosebleed boner. Nosebleed boner, yeah. Yeah, so basically one of his character traits is whenever he gets aroused, he uh, starts having a nosebleed. Yeah, and that, well, I mean, that's like not necessarily just limited to him, because I think that's a pretty common anime yeah. goof for dudes to get nosebleeds when they are... Uh, Attracted. Aroused, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, so so that, uh, that happens a couple of times, uh, and it's, it's pretty awkward. Like, and and she doesn't seem to figure it out. Make the connection, no. Yeah, like, she's, she's pretty innocent. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you got a nosebleed, you goof. Yeah, and she's talking to her uh, to Hanbei about it later when they're all back at the house. Uh, and she's like, oh, it was, it was so funny when you got that nosebleed. And uh, Hanbei's like, mm-hmm. nosebleed. Let me give you some alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know why he that made him want to give um, Heishiro alcohol, but... Yeah. Anyway. Unclear. Unclear. So, anyhow, as Heishiro is starting to get more well um, and able-bodied, he is still intent on going after Kazumatsuri. And so Hanbei is trying to convince Heishiro not to kill him. Um, just like, one, you're not going to be able to take him down. I'm sorry. You don't have the skills. But he's trying to say it in kind of a, a more... 
diplomatic diplomatic way he's like hey you remember when i came and saved you i threw rocks at him and that worked so what you should focus on is throwing rocks at kazumatsuri and then kaharu is making these little bundles of what she calls pepper balls i think that heishiro can throw at kazumatsuri in his eyes and make him sting so what basically they're trying to get him to engage in dirty dirty tactics fighting dirty rather than well, kind of fighting dirty, but in the in the sake of not killing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Call it what you want. Okay. Um. I call it fighting dirty. Fighting dirty. Andrew's fighting dirty. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that, look for that series of tapes I'll, I'll be putting out: hair pulling, uh, clawing at eyes with your fingernails. Dutch well, ovening. <laughs> Dutch ovening. No, I was going to say, uh, back back when I was in like junior high school and I thought there was a possibility that I'd be getting into fights, I was like, what if I like clip my nails into claws? And I can... <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, that's so, why you have claw nails. Yeah, that's uh, that worked out, so I just kept doing it. Um, that's uh, one of the things I thought that I was going to be doing. So. Getting into cat fights? Getting, getting, getting into cat fights, yeah. Uh, so... Gives you an insight into my brain when I was like 13 or 14. <laughs> so Kazumatsuri is still kind of hanging out at the gambling house. And Lady Okatsu is continuing to try to, to woo him into working with her and expanding her empire of crime. Um, when one of the ninjas that was sent by Heishiro's father meets with her at night and bribes her to poison Kazumatsuri's sake and she's like, hmm, I like Kazumatsuri, but I also like a thousand gold, so yeah. I'll do it. So she spikes the sake, but Kazumatsuri tastes the poison. And he's like, hmm, you know what? I think we should get married. <laughs> and she's like, huh, well, that's just kind of sudden. And, and then he kisses her, basically to spread the poison, or just to confirm that she's tried to poison him. And she pulls away and spits the sake out. And he's like, well, that's pretty rude. And then he kills her. And he kills her, yeah. And takes out all of her goons. So at that point, he decides what he really wants to do is to take Hanbei on in a duel. And so he's trying to bait Hanbei into Rile, fighting with him. Rile him up. Rile him up. And uh, eventually he tries a couple of things, right? But uh, the thing that really ends up working in, in the end is uh, when he kidnaps Kaharu. Yeah, Kazumatsuri happens upon Koharu in the woods when she's out gathering herbs, and he picks her up and takes her off and ties her up. And someone sees that and, and goes and lets Hanbei and Heishiro know. Hanbei reveals to Heishiro that um, how he ended up adopting Koharu. Uh, essentially, Hanbei used to work for a clan, and he was on border patrol. And another guy was on border patrol for the rival clan, and they both laid claim over this one river. So Hanbei meets the rival clan guy, and they get into a fight, and Hanbei kills him. And um, as the guy's dying, he says, you know, I, I have regret for my daughter. I, you know, I'm a widow, widower, and my poor daughter is now alone. So, um... Hanbei decided to rectify the sin by adopting Koharu and and raising her as his own. Um, so that's kind of the story there, and and he he tells 
Heishiro this partly as uh, an explanation for why he should not kill and, and pursue a violent lifestyle. Yeah, because that's kind of what had driven him to abandon the life of killing is just the guilt over killing Kaharu's father and then just also the pain in the ass of having to adopt a daughter. As a result, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure just like, oh God, now I have to take care of this kid. If I'd known that, I wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have been doing all the killing all the time. But um, I mean, who knows what she was like when she was little, but to be fair, she seemed to be pretty okay to live with. Yeah, yeah, true. From what I saw. Yes, yeah, she was, she was fine. <laughs> yeah. We find out kind of that backstory about Hanbei and Kaharu, and then they, they go off to confront Kazumatsuri. And then Kazumatsuri says, okay, Hanbei, we need to, we need to duel. And Hanbei's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And while they start to square off, Heishiro grabs Koharu and, and takes her away to safety. Um, so he hands her off to some of the ninja um, and has them protect her. Yeah, and he's like, we're, we're going to get married, you and me. Yeah, if so your I'm... father wins, we're going to get married, and we're all gonna. he's going to be my father, and we're all going to live happily ever after. And she's like, okay. So then he returns to the scene of the fight where Hanbei... First, he's trying to take down Kazumatsuri just with a wooden knife. He, he still refuses to draw his actual sword. But Kazumatsuri destroys the wooden sword, so then Hanbei pulls out his real sword and is able to disarm Kazumatsuri. Um, however, he refuses to kill him. So Kazumatsuri says, you know, you, you beat me. That's what I wanted. Yeah. to fight you. Yeah. And then he uh, jumps over a cliff and commits suicide. So they all kind of trail down the, the hill, find no sign of him, but they do find the sword. So yay! Everything was restored, and then it cuts to a year later, and all of them are living together back with Heishiro's clan, like with its father and Hanbei and Kaharu, all living together. Heishiro and Kaharu do get married, true to his word. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, everybody's happy. The everybody's end. happy, the end. So, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's not, it's, it's really good, not life-changing, but well, well worth a watch, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Very, very entertaining, very goofy. There's one scene where I think it's Hanbei's playing a, a saw, or somebody's playing oh, a, a yeah. saw, and then you're you're sitting there and you're like, wait a second, they're playing Swanee River. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure nobody in Japan in 1696 no, was no, no. playing a Swanee River so, on a saw. Three Stooges, <laughs> Swanee River. We've just totally appropriated the shit out of Japanese God culture. God damn it, America. God damn it. <laughs> um, it's pretty funny. Yeah. You know, we're not super familiar with a lot of the things that they're kind of parodying, because like I think we said before, we're not experts in samurai films, but uh, there, there is enough like where you can kind of recognize some things that seem like they were probably kind of... Playing off of things. Playing off of, yeah, established yeah. elements in, in samurai movies. So even if you're not super familiar with samurai movies, like, like neither of us were, it's, it's still... You'll be, you'll probably be entertained. Yep, uh, definitely yeah. worth watching. So we did find a couple of interesting things about the movie. So speaking of like parodying or taking elements of other things, one thing I, I guess kind of to segue into our interesting bits is that uh, Tarantino kind of referenced samurai fiction in Kill Bill. Um, yeah, like the opening sequence. The opening sequence, and then as well. As that, uh, the, the actor who played Kazumatsuri is this guy Tomoyasu Hote, who is a, a really famous rock musician in Japan. 
and his most famous song is called Battle Without Honor or Humanity, and that was featured in Kill Bill and a billion other things. Yeah, it's it's you've definitely heard it if you yeah. have paid attention to pop culture in the last ten or fifteen years. You will link to it, but you'll know it immediately. It's got that kind of bombastic yeah and hote that's what he's known as that's what kind of yeah he goes yeah he goes by his last he's worked with a lot of pretty famous musicians like david bowie iggy pop so he's uh he's really quite famous like uh there was a, a survey that was done in japan and he was the second best guitarist that the people of japan kind of felt would be a good representative for guitaring skills and uh this was his first acting role which i i kind of i never would have guessed it i think watching him i think he did a yeah he was really good a really good job in it at first i was like huh some of this music is kind of an odd decision to make to do this and then it realized that hote actually wrote and performed pretty much the entire soundtrack yeah because it's all like rock music so kind of a weird contrast but yeah but it fits pretty well yeah it does yeah, yeah. so the movie is Kind of like homage and kind of parody of a pretty specific type of samurai film, uh, the Jiragaki samurai films. And so a couple of things that we kind of realized after the fact were in this movie that were uh, kind of staples of, of those sorts of films were how like in sword fight scenes when there's multiple people attacking somebody, everybody kind of patiently waits their turn to attack the protagonist and uh and then also you know somebody's like cut with a sword or something mortally wounded there's no blood in fact like a lot of the times you don't even see the sword cutting through their clothing or anything it's just and then oh the dead yep so definitely that happens in this movie uh, a few times at least there for really, sure there really is like next to no blood aside from like a couple of scenes yeah well and, and in fact um one of the ways that samurai fiction differs from Jidaigeki films is it is almost entirely in black and white but it does use some bright color mm-hmm. in a few key scenes and, and one of them is uh when there are, are deaths um it kind of flashes red really briefly and then that's kind of basically it like you don't really you don't see any gratuitous violence or gore or anything Hiroyuki Nakano. This was, I think, his first feature film. He was actually a music video director yeah, up for, until this point. for MTV Japan, yeah. Yeah. So he had kind of big ambitions uh, when he made this movie. Like, when you start watching the, the movie, it's like SF Episode 1, Samurai Fiction. And I guess his intention was to make a whole series of SF films, but just totally unrelated, like, even thematically, not related to one another at all just it it was going to be like a way for him to explore different genres and and things yeah and that didn't really pan out he did i think one other movie in the sf series stereo future uh which was kind of like a modern day movie about actors and like people like kind of relationship drama type movie yeah from, from what i gathered uh but then after that like, he did some short films. He did some short films, and from one thing that I saw, like, his movies were not, like, the movies that he came out with after that were not super well regarded. Um, but I guess he's been doing more uh, documentaries lately, is what it looked like. The last couple of movies that he, he did back in, like, 2009 and 2014 were, were documentaries. So, it's too bad. Like, this was a really good movie. Stereo Future had pretty good reviews, too. So, hopefully he'll get back to making 
fiction movies. Yeah. At some point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Samurai Fiction, I think, is a really promising start. I think a really good showing for a first-time feature film director. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty much it. You know, anytime that we're looking at information on foreign movies, especially, that are not super well-known, it's really... Super well-known in America. In America, yeah. There's not going to be a whole lot of information to find, unfortunately. Yeah. That's that's all we came up with. But yeah, well, if you guys know anything interesting about the movie, yeah. feel free to share it with us. Or if you have any uh, samurai movie recommendations uh, based off of what uh, we talked about in this movie that you think might be up our alley, definitely let us know by dropping us an email at Tara and Andrew versus at gmail.com. Yeah. And uh, if you want to keep on top of our episode releases and read our brilliant blog posts every time we put out a new episode... You can check that out either at our Facebook group, which is Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, or um, at our website, TaraAndAndrewVersus.com. One thing that we mentioned in the previous episode's blog post that I don't think we actually talked about on the podcast itself is that, as you probably can tell, we are, for a brief while, switching to a uh, every other week episode releasing schedule just due to my school requirements and I'm in grad school. I'm, um, I said that kind of. <laughs> I'm in grad school. <laughs> so, He's Mr. Big Pants grad school boy over yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> um, No, but like I'm, I'm in the last legs of my grad school program, and things are getting kind of intense for these last couple of quarters. So, in order to kind of retain my sanity and not be super stressed out, I think switching to a, a every other week episode release schedule is gonna be the best thing for everybody, so that you don't just hear us or me at least being like, I don't know. I, gotta, I have to go write this paper. Can we just stop recording now? Tara, you talk. I'm just yeah. going to be working yeah. and you just hear frantic typing yeah, in the background. Just, uh, <laughs> and just stand going, oh, yeah. oh no. <laughs> frantic typing and sighing. <laughs> and sobs, muffled sobs in the background. Why did I decide to do this? Yeah. I can't do this. I'm a fraud. <laughs> Let us know if you're interested in, in this as a theme for a podcast. And uh, we can get working on that. Yeah. If you, if you want to hear that, let us know. <laughs> I want to say thank you to the terrific Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song Lately off the album Setting the Paces. Unlikely Friends is the project that a lot of the members of Boat are currently in, and they're about to come out with a new album. And I heard one of the songs recently on KEXP, and it sounded pretty great. So looking very much forward to the new Unlikely Friends album. It sounds like they might actually be doing uh, more boat stuff, too. Doing more boat shows. Go on down to the boat show, you guys. (laughs) But yeah, uh, th- thank you, Boat, for letting us use the, your song. Much appreciated. Yeah, so I guess until next time, catch you later, potato hags. <laughs> <laughs>